It is April 17th, 1961. We are at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in Santa Monica, California. It is Bob Hope, again, hosting the uh, Academy Awards, the 33rd annual, where we're honoring the films of 1960. We are on ABC TV for the first time ever, and that's going to become a tradition. And we are ready for the big award of the night. The envelope, please. And the winner is the apartment. Yay. How sweet. That's a... that's uh that's uh i mean like i i can't wait to get into the apartment it's such a great little movie um yeah this it is it, this is quite a year um you know i like 33 first of all because it has alliteration and yes. um <laughs> and also um it's an interesting year uh just because there's such a um I feel like Hollywood's really changing in this year. I think that that's what I'm getting out of the nominees uh, before we actually get into them individually. There's a lot of movies um, nominated that are pretty cutting edge in comparison to uh, some of the more Hollywood type films we've seen in the past. You're seeing a little bit more um, expansion into adult material. And, uh, And there's a lot of uh, little fun tidbits that happened this year as well. We had some big, big time honorary awards this year. Uh, Two time Academy Award winner Gary Cooper also won an honorary award, but he was not available at the ceremony to um, to accept the the uh, statuette. Gary Cooper was actually um, not doing very well uh, at the time of this Oscar ceremony. And Jimmy Stewart had to accept in his place. But uh, public knowledge as to his condition was not really um, had not really happened yet. And so in Stewart's speech, he kind of like hinted around the fact that Cooper wasn't doing so well. He said, holding back tears, Coop, I'll get this to you right away. And Coop, I want you to know that this that. With this goes all the warm friendship and the affection and the admiration and the deep, deep respect of all of us. We're very, very proud of you, Coop. All of us are tremendously proud. Um, And so the next day, newspapers spewed the news that he was uh, dying and he got all sorts of uh, messages from everyone from John F. Kennedy to Queen Elizabeth II to uh, Pope John. Um, (laughs) Uh, he got a lot of uh, well wishes from all these people because Jimmy Stewart kind of let the cat out of the bag. And um, his last statement came on March on May 4th, which said, I know that what is happening is God's will and I am not afraid of the future. And then he died on May 13th, which was less than a month um, and only six days before his 60th birthday. Uh, there was also the very last Academy Juvenile Award which were the mini statuettes they would give out uh, occasionally throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s, ending in 1960, um, with uh, Haley Mills getting the last one for her performance in uh, Pollyanna. In 1961, she would also uh, release the classic film, The Parent Trap, which I will mention every time I get the opportunity. God bless um, you. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Haley Mills uh, was the last person to receive this award uh, to date. They basically retired the award, and now juveniles just uh, 
uh, participate like a normal person in the <laughs> Oscar races. And uh, it'll be about uh, a decade or so, but we will have a very young winner of Supporting Actress coming up before very, very long. Yes, we will in the Supporting Actress category. So let's actually bounce over to the Supporting Actress category in 1960. We have the nominees. Uh, Glenn Johns for The Sundowners, Shirley Jones, Elmer Gantry, Shirley Knight, The Dark at the Top of the Stairs, Janet Lee in Psycho, and Mary, is it Er? Is it just Er? I don't know this girl. I think so. Mary Er in Ur. Sons and Lovers. I think or it is Yur. too. Yur? Yuri? Uh, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Sons and Lovers seems to be the uh, most ex- significant thing um, that she was uh, that she was involved in. Um, she is the second Scottish-born uh, actress to be nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, the first is our is also nominated this year um, for Best Actress, uh, Deborah Carr. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, Shirley Knight obviously ends up having a uh, long and storied career. Um, while she never won the Oscar, she did win a Tony. Um, and was in many, many movies uh, all the way up till her death earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she also won a few Emmys and some Golden Globes. Um, so she she did have a storied career. This is right at the beginning of that. Um, Glenn Johns, um, most people probably know her for being uh, the mother in Mary Poppins, the suffragette mom. In Mary Poppins, she uh, she also plays like the grandmother and while you were sleeping and um, she has she's had a fun career playing fun uh, little uh, little characters, very interesting character actress. And um, uh, she was the first person and the song was written for her to sing uh, Send in the Clowns oh. by Stephen Sondheim. Yes, 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 yes. And night music um anyway she's still alive she's still with us um as of this recording recording she was born in 1923 she just had a birthday on october 5th and she is now 97 wow Uh, and that leads us to what i think this category comes down to yes i would Would agree with you all right um we got shirley jones and elmer gantry and janet lee and psycho shirley jones took home the oscar um this is janet lee's this is both of their only nominations. Um, and Janet Lee was nominated for uh, for playing the iconic Marion Crane in Psycho um, yeah. in the defining performance of her career, to be sure. Um, oh, absolutely. And that is but, a very interesting uh, race between the two. Yeah, it I definitely comes down to too. these two. Which yeah. one do you favor? Um, yeah, it, uh, that's, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Um so I, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Elmer Gantry in a second. I really like Elmer Gantry. I think it's a, um, a great, great movie. Um, and Shirley Jones has a very pivotal part in the film. She comes in pretty late in the movie um, as a hooker and ends up uh, having the information that kind of turns the entire plot without saying too much. Um, but I have to say, I think that Janet Lee has the more difficult role and um, certainly in terms of uh, cultural impact, mm. uh, Psycho, um, and the Psycho is, is pivotal in that, but I don't think anybody should undercut the work that she does 
leading up to getting killed in the shower in the movie um, because she does, uh, you know, for a girl that was picked out of nowhere, you know, I don't know if you know Janet Lee's story at all, but she, um, she was, she never intended to be an actress. She was a young, like teenage married girl, like probably 18, 19 years old, um, who was the daughter of a family that owned and ran a little um, ski resort, okay, um, up in like uh, uh, I forget I forget where it was, but um, they owned a ski ski resort, um, and uh, her um, let's see in the Nevada mountains, Sierra, uh, in Sierra Nevada, okay, mountains, um, and Norma Shear was vacationing after her retirement at a ski resort and she saw a picture of uh, their daughter, Janet Lee, sitting on the desk and she said, that girl ought to be in pictures. And she <laughs> sent <laughs> she sent Janet Lee's photo back to MGM where she still had connections, obviously. And uh, Janet Lee got a screen test and was signed to a contract and became a movie star. Uh, ended up divorcing that husband and then uh, marrying Tony Curtis, with whom she had two children, one of whom is ja- Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, then she got married another time uh, later on. But uh, uh, her story is really a pick from obscurity. And this is this represents her about 15 years into her career. She's getting a little bit older and um, and she's bridged off into uh, from like musicals and lightweight material into something much darker. And um, she plays a character stealing money and going on the run. And um, uh, she's a horrible thief and she's wonderful at playing it. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say too about Psycho, I feel like a lot of people kind of when they think about Psycho in their mind, they think about they think like it starts with her going to the motel, dying in the shower, and then, you know, Anthony Perkins kind of takes over. There's a whole ass movie in front of the motel bit. Like that's about halfway in, you know, like you just mentioned her stealing the money, driving away. Like there's a lot of setup. And that was the point, you know, I think Hitchcock wanted you to believe that you were going to follow this actress, this character, the entire movie and was going to be her story. And then obviously with the the shower scene, the twist, it doesn't really come out to be that way. But, yeah, she does a lot. She carries the entire setup of this film. And like you said, it's a lot more challenging than I think it gets credit for. Yeah, I love her in Psycho. She's so good. It's the ultimate bait and switch. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. There a lot of people. It's it's gotten to where, and we know this uh, as tour guides at Universal. We show we mm-hmm. show the filming locations, um, or I used to, and you used to, I guess. Yeah, no right. one does anymore. Um, but if you want to visit, go on Google Earth, and you can see mm-hmm. <laughs> the Psycho House in Bates Motel. Um, but you know, there's people say like Hitchcock killed her off in the first 15 minutes of the movie or Hitchcock filmed her, killed her off in the first third. It actually comes, I believe about 40, 45 minutes into the film. Um, and the movie's an hour and 40 minutes long. And so it's not, it's not, um, it's not in the first five minutes. It's not in the first 15 minutes. You do get to spend a really good amount of time with this character. I mean, and only her basically yep. you start with her. And until that shower scene happens, she is in every scene. 
and um, and you have to go on this journey with her that is very relatable. And um, what I like about what happens before her death and the reason why I think her death is so tragic is you get to the end of Marion's story. She decides that she's going to do the right thing and take the money back. The shower is supposed to be that metaphorical um, cleansing of mm-hmm. sin. And it turns into something absolutely horrible and spins the story in a completely different direction. Absolutely. It's such a brilliant movie, and and she is absolutely perfect in it. Yep. She's so good. And I I would say Janelle would be my pick for supporting actress. I don't know. There's just something very... Uh, maybe it's just because like the whole prostitute with the heart of gold thing is just so overdone that I just I don't know. Shirley Jones and Elmer Gantry is fine, but I don't I don't know. There's just some uh, I can't I can't put my finger on it. It's it's a it's an Oscar trope, you know. You you you're known for being the good girl, you know. Up until this point, Shirley Jones, another kind of picked from obscurity actress, you know. She um uh I just happened to have read these people's autobiographies um <laughs> uh shirley jones um i i've met a couple of times too interestingly um she was very nice um i saw her at a screening of carousel and then i worked at the tcm film festival and was in a room with her um and i said something nice and she said something nice back but uh she um she was just visiting new york city um and decided to like just on a whim go to a cattle call audition um and she sang and she has you know a gorgeous voice and um and then someone like ran across the street and says hold on i have to ha- you are my bosses have to have to hear you sing and the bosses were rogers and hammerstein and then <laughs> <laughs> super chill and then they picked her out of obscurity um to play a part in one of their musicals. I don't remember which one it was on Broadway, but then she, they, they picked her specifically to play Lori in Oklahoma. And, um, and, and, you know, she made a few other musicals. Um, so at this point in time though, she was only known for playing good girls. And so part of this Oscar win has to do with her breaking out of that shell you right. know, uh, that's, yeah, which is I a, see that. a Hollywood sweetheart. And of course, Shirley Jones, um, she would make more movies after this, including uh, one that's nominated for Best Picture in a couple of years, um, The Music Man. Um, but uh, she ultimately is probably best known for playing the mom on The Partridge Family. Right. Uh, yes. These days. And for marrying um, Jack Cassidy and being the stepmom to David Cassidy. And anyway, but um I've met her. She's very nice. I'm glad that she, I don't, I'm not upset that she has an Oscar. Um, she is one of the oldest living Oscar winners now, but uh, I would have, but Janet Lee has the iconic performance in the sponge. I think so. It's just, you know, I rewatched Elmer Gantry yesterday, actually. Actually, I shouldn't say rewatched. I watched it for the first time. And I had seen like bits and pieces of her performance and kind of seeing it, you know, in the actually, actually where it comes in the film and all that's leading up to it and stuff. I don't know. Shirley Jones just never looks comfortable in this role on screen. She just kind of is a little off. It's kind of like she's watching herself perform in this movie. Like she's trying to put on this 
persona, and it just doesn't really ever ring true to me, especially when she's, like, laughing in Burt Lancaster's face. It's the most fake laugh I've seen on the screen, and it just doesn't add up to me. Whereas, on the flip side, I think Janet Lee does everything she's supposed to. So, yeah, I just think Janet Lee is a much more fully dimensional performance in a much better movie as well, in my opinion. But, yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. I mean, she's cute. It's fine. Um, she's cute. She's cute. She's like a little cutie. <laughs> um, yeah, she, uh, uh, she is, she is quite beautiful. Um, so we moved to, and she Peter, looks like she uh, we be my sister. She does look a lot like you. That is very true. Um, <laughs> so we moved to best supporting actor. Um, and we, uh, we have a battle of a couple Peters here. Yeah, um, we do. Yes, we do. Um, we also have the, Chill Wills, which is like the best name you could possibly ask for, um, <laughs> for uh, the Alamo, which we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Salminio gets a nomination for Exodus. Um, uh, Jack Crucian. Crucian, yeah. I believe I was, yeah. Uh, gets a nomination for The Apartment. Um, interestingly, that name written there is not Fred McMurray. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, it's spelled Fred McMurray wrong. I don't know. <laughs> it's very strange. I mean, like he's also Jack Crucian's also good in the movie. I'm just saying, like it's weird that I don't see the name Fred McMurray here because yes, pretty. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Peter Falk in uh, Murder Inc. Interestingly, uh, while this is not what he's playing in Murder Inc. Um, Peter Falk would basically become known for playing a detective that solves murders later on in his career. True um, that. When he played Lumbo. Um, and then we got Peter Ustinov, the great Peter Ustinov, um, uh, in Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Um, which, interestingly, this is the only major nomination for Spartacus. That is very strange. I will say that, too. I think that's rather odd. I will say, out of all the, I guess, the performances in Spartacus, I do think Peter Ustinov's is probably the best, definitely the most memorable, I think. Um, but as far as, like, yeah, getting a Best Picture nomination, I I guess that would have made sense to me, especially with this coming out of, you know, this being the 60s, where grand spectacle, um, you know, these historic epics were so popular, made so much money as Spartacus did. Um and usually they were thrown into the Best Picture race. I mean, just last year we saw Ben Hur win, you know, Best Picture, uh, and the Ten Commandments before that. So it's kind of like I, I'm very surprised it wasn't nominated as well. Yeah, that is well, shocking. Well, I wonder if it's because if there was some fatigue or something. I don't know. I mean, Spartacus was a very successful movie, definitely. But I wonder if they thought like, well, Ben Hur won last year, so we can't nominate another one or something like that. Yeah, that's um, that's entirely Spartacus possible. Did is a far superior film to Ben-Hur, which is what's odd about it being left out, you know? Definitely. It is rather odd. It was also the very first movie where um, oh, Dalton Trumbo finally received uh, on-screen credits after being blacklisted for so long and having to uh, write under a pseudonym. So this was his first movie where he finally received his first on-screen credit again. Which Kirk Douglas is uh, apparently who we credit for that. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. He, Douglas yep. used his clout as a box office star to make sure that happened. And uh, so we can thank Kirk Douglas. You know, I, I um, some people say that it, Kirk Douglas went to his, 
his dying day claiming he had broken the blacklist. It's probably not as simple as just Kirk Douglas did that, but he definitely uh, took a brick away um, and a a big one at that. So, um, but it's interesting that, that, um, and this is not, uh, and I feel like if I was going to nominate Kirk Douglas for anything, it probably would have been this, but yeah, um, probably. But I guess there's other parts. You know, I think he's better in Lust for Life. I think he's better. True, true. Even in The Bold and the Bad and the Beautiful. I don't know. Spartacus to me isn't really, he's, I don't know, he comes across a little too, like, macho man to me. Like, he's trying to be Charlton Heston. You know what I mean? Like, saintly in it. Yeah, I kind of wish. A little awkward. Okay, let's, let's cosplay. Uh, let's fantasy play here a little bit. <laughs> okay. What if, what if. What if, what if it had been Kirk Douglas instead of Charlton Heston? Oh, and Ben Hur. Oh God, I don't know if that's any better. Oh, maybe it would be better. I mean, from an acting perspective, that'd make it better. That's true. We're, we're, we're gonna we'll find somebody. Maybe Burt Lancaster. We'll get to him later. <laughs> we'll talk about him. We'll talk about him in a bit. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I don't really. I don't have an issue with uh, this winner. I think Peter Ustinov is, um, one of the great. Uh, one of the great actors of all time, and he um, he also uh, was just short of an EGOT. He oh, yes. uh, he won two Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor. He won um, uh, two Emmys as well, and a Grammy Award as as well. So uh, he did the a Best Recording for Children was the was the Grammy Award. Um, and he was a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF. I mean... Oh, yeah. No, he's a great guy. And you've let's let him literally, he can have as many Oscars as he wants. He's so great. Um, so we're not going to complain about this one. We won't. <laughs> let's, let's save Best Actress. Okay. Because... Shocking. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to um, pull apart. <laughs> uh, best actor. I, best actors. Uh, this is this is a. I think this is a pretty competitive race. Um, I would agree. I have not seen Sons and Lovers. Me I'm either. sorry, Trevor. Um, sure great. Yeah, you're British and you're in Brief Encounter. It's all that matters. Love ya. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Lawrence Olivier, a later life, um, not later life, more like he still has quite a few years left, but a, a mid to later life uh, role in The Entertainer. I've, I understand it's very good. I would love to see it at some point. That's the other one I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I'm sorry once again. Okay, yes. now, let's get, now let's get into it. Yes. Um, we got three, I think, great performances going up against each other here. Yes. Um, we, yes, definitely. We got Spencer Tracy and in Inherit the Wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would step back. <laughs> I mean, if he didn't have two Oscars already, right, 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 right. I would really be thinking about giving this one to him because mm-hmm. he is great in Inherit the Wind. Also, sidebar, I missed, I really, where's Frederick Marches and uh, name, where is Gene Kelly's name? Very confused. Where are yeah. all the other nominations for Inherit the Wind? I'm it so confused. Get, it does appear in the screenplay nomination. Why is it goodness. not nominated for Best Picture or 
Best Director. I'm yeah, so confused. There's a couple of the nominees, and maybe it's because I haven't seen, you know, The Sundowners or Sons and Lovers or The Alamo. I'm sure they're fine movies, but yeah, there are some other films that I've seen from 1960, Psycho being one of them, where I'm just kind of like, why was that not in the Best Picture race? But of course, we also and have and Psycho are both movies that should be nominated for Best Picture. Um, that's it. That's all I'm saying. is great, and he is great in it. Jack Lemmon is great, yes. Jack Lemmon, of course, does win two Oscars. I don't even think this is necessarily Jack Lemmon's best performance, but this is uh, a great, great performance. Okay, well, we'll we'll get into that in a bit here. <laughs> um, I just want to say I don't I don't think I've ever seen Jack Lemmon give a bad performance. Literally, um, he is great in everything. He does win uh, two Oscars, ultimately one for supporting that we've already been over. And another for Save the Tiger, which we'll get to in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think his best performance in the 60s is coming up in a couple years mm-hmm. um, for a Blake Edwards movie that has mm-hmm. a lot of alcohol. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, but, Certainly his most dramatic role, that's for sure. But this is one of the best of his more, I, I this is much more subtle than what, we'll be getting into in a couple of years and he's absolutely perfect as like an every man in this and oh, god I, I i love him so much he's so great he's always so great that said i think that the that elmer gantry is probably burt lancaster's defining performance and if i'm going to give him an oscar for anything it's this that's certainly true i would say if, if yeah out of all the movies that he was in and even nominated Four, besides Atlantic City in the 80s, which I think is his best performance and would have been a really sweet late Oscar win for a very celebrated actor. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is probably his closest one. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I didn't hate Elmer Gantry. I thought the first 45 minutes were pretty boring, but it's mm. a lot of setup and I get that. Once things start cooking and they're actually like you know in the tent, preaching and doing all that stuff it really picks up and then shirley jones comes in and that whole drama thing happens i i think this movie was way too long i mean it's like two and a half hours it's a two and a half hour long it's film a long long movie um it is long. i i i really like elmer gantry i'm not gonna lie um it's been a few years since i've seen it i i feel like i really get into these religious zealot movies though um and it is it is a really religious Zealot movie. Let's be clear here. Oh um, yeah, and I mean it's uh, also incredibly kind of topical to today with you know far right leaning religious extremist groups and you know it's kind of bringing about the question of when it when we're talking about religion and faith, is it okay to create a business surrounding that or you yeah. know are people's faith enough of an income for you? And that's kind of the battle going on. It's a very interesting topic, and I think it does have a lot of weight even in our uh, current day society. Um, and and uh, Burt Lancaster basically plays... Uh, you spend a lot of the movie questioning the, the motives of mm-hmm. Burt Lancaster, um, and he does a great time, job of playing that middle line where you don't really know what his motivation is. Definitely. And that, is, and that mystery is what keeps the movie interesting. Yeah, because, you know, he's kind of that smooth talker. He's a, he, Essentially, he's a salesman. He's a very good salesman. And in this movie, he puts that charm 
and salesmanship to work by selling religion to all of these low-class families in this town just to profit off of them. You know, so his motives are kind of dark and twisted. Uh, and in the end, it's kind of like, oh, does he actually have faith? You know, so it's, it is a, an interesting film, but I... I don't know. I have to give this Oscar to Jack Lemmon. The Apartments is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think this, uh, when you think of Jack Lemmon, you know, you think of that kind of, we, think, we talked about this when he won Supporting Actor in 55 for Mr. Roberts. He plays that, you know, very every man you said. He's the near-do-well. He's just trying and, you know, you want, you, oh, he just... He means well, and he just can't quite crack it. And this, to me, is like the defining performance of that Jack Lemon archetype. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. I mean, just scenes of him making spaghetti with a tennis racket. Oh, you know, to him having a cold and shoving that fluid stuff up his nose. And I don't know. There are just so many little quirks to his character in this that I just fall in love with every single time I watch the movie. And and this movie just balances drama and comedy so perfectly and i think that's such a hard balance to wrestle with and nobody does that better than jack lemon and oh god to me this just this would have been such a sweet win for him and then he wouldn't have had to have won for in 73 for say the tiger this could have been his leading actor oscar and i think it would have been a much better performance for that yeah yeah i i, I see what you're saying there i um but I mean, if Burt Lancaster's gonna get one, I don't see where else he's gonna win one. He can win and, in the eighties. Uh, yeah, but who is he taking it away from? In nineteen eighty one, he would have taken it away from Henry Fonda. Or no, was it eighty or eighty one? It was 80. either Henry. I think it's eighty one too, which would be Henry Fonda and on Golden Pond. Which like. Oh, stop that! You stop that! You stop that! <laughs> You let Henry have his Oscar. On Golden Pond is a sweet movie. <laughs> what if we're going to talk about, like, two, you know, aging male Hollywood icons? I think Atlantic City is a much stronger yeah, performance and, than On Golden and, Pond. <laughs> and Henry Fonda is a much, much uh, more important figure in film history. So <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um so don't you there but you know what maybe burt lancaster doesn't need to have an oscar i don't know (laughs) it came out in 1980 so that's not his competition oh so it would have been de niro for raging bull okay well yeah and probably no that's not (laughs) i don't think i can convince people to take away that oscar from de niro as as hard as i try (laughs) i don't think they're gonna take that away from him no they're not um so so we're gonna live everybody has oscars it's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fair. Okay, fair. Deborah Carr gets her last chance. <laughs> yep. At an Oscar and strikes out again. Um, I haven't seen the Sundowners. Um, Peter Ustinov is also in the Sundowners. Mm, interestingly, big year for him. Along, along with Robert Mitchum. Um, it was nominated for a bunch of awards. It was also nominated for pitcher and director. Fred Zinnemann is always great. Of course, he did Deborah Carr's uh, real career-defining um, From Here to Eternity. Um, takes place in Australia. I I would bet that that Deborah Carr does a, an appropriate accent. <laughs> oh no, there's no doubt that she definitely. I mean, she deserves every nomination she gets. Maybe not separate tables, but this okay. one I'm sure is deserved. I'm I'm sad. I'm sad that we can't give her an Oscar. I don't know I how know. to give her an Oscar. Um. Uh, Greer Garson 
makes a comeback after not being in the category since the 40s. She's back. Um, I have actually, I, I've, I've half watched this movie. I should say, like, I wasn't paying 100% attention, but I did, I did uh, watch it a couple years ago when it was on TCM. And uh, it's called Sunrise at Campo Bello. And it is about uh, before uh, FDR becomes president and he is dealing with uh, polio and um, his inability to walk and um, kind of reassessing his career and and all the things that came along with his disability. And um, his wife, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, is played by Greer Garson, who puts on teeth and puts on an accent so that she looks like Eleanor Roosevelt. She imitates her voice almost exactly. It is a great, I mean, as you know, as far as real life performances of people who we know who, what they look like and what they sound like go, it is, it's pretty, it's a pretty, pretty damn good imitation. So that. So it's like Greer yeah. Garson doing a Meryl Streep role in 1960. It is very like that. The movie <laughs> itself is like, okay, it's a little boring, but um, but so her performance is absolutely fantastic. So it's the Iron Lady, but FDR. Got it. I It may be better than the Iron Lady. Let's not. <laughs> I mean, that would be saying a whole lot. <laughs> there is there is a logical through line as far as the plot goes. So. Oh, well, we love that. Okay, cool. Um, and, and then, then it comes down to our final two. two. Yes. Well, I think it's probably between these last two. I mean, well, I, think okay. that, I think it probably should have gone. I don't think it's necessary. It should. We shouldn't say it's between them. This Fair. is probably Shirley MacLaine's Oscar. Uh, yes, Shirley MacLaine was nominated for The Apartment, and the final nominee was Elizabeth Taylor in Butterfield 8. And the Academy chose Elizabeth Taylor in arguably first. <laughs> Strangest nomination. Yeah, Yeah. definitely the weakest of all of her nominations. But what a funny little movie. I watched this this last week. I had to. I'd never seen it before. Um, Only the famous slapping scene. Yes. Um, But I wanted to see the whole film (laughs) in context. And what a wild little movie. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I didn't hate it. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't hate it. It's not. It's enjoyable. It's yeah, enjoyable. but when you read, like, I was reading a lot of reviews and um, about the film and kind of the general consensus of what people thought back in 1960, which was kind of like this movie was a joke, you know, kind of an embarrassment and a smudge on her career. I mean, she only did it so that she could finally be free of her contracts. So she could actually move on and do Cleopatra, which they were paying her a million dollars for. So she was kind of forced into this movie and hated every second of it. And they say, you know, Oscar legend, she only won this award because people thought she was going to die. She was having, what was it, surgery? She was having something taken out. Was it her appendix was being taken out? Some kind of surgery she was yes. under. Um, and they all she, thought she, she was having complications. Died. Yeah, she yeah. almost died. So they were like, let's give her an Oscar for this movie. And I think you're right. It is tragic. Because, yes, because I do think, far and away, I think Shirley MacLaine is the easy favorite here for the apartment. What? I mean, this is also, because we do know, we do have hindsight. We do not surely know that Shirley MacLaine is going to have another amazing performance Mm. and that she definitely deserves a win for later. I mean, maybe this is where we give Deborah Carr an Oscar just to like, 
<laughs> to even things out. <laughs> to even things out because she needed one. I'm sure she's great in the Sundowners. I have no doubt. We know she deserves one. Um, Fair. You know, Greer already has one. Shirley is going to get one later. Liz gets a much more deserved Oscar later. Yeah, yeah. But that said, I don't hate that Elizabeth Taylor has two Oscars. It's not like she is a Hollywood legend in a way no one else is. Mm-hmm. Her career deserves two Oscars. It's yes. just that one of them is for the wrong movie. Yes, it's true. It is. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, but that's not to say, like, she does have some very strong moments in Butterfield 8 where I think you start to really see the makings of this great dramatic actress. There are some really kind of hard-hitting moments that she does go through. So I kind of appreciated that. But I still don't think that compares to the emotional journey Shirley MacLaine takes us on in The Apartments. You know, she, The Apartment, I think, is really um, branded as this Jack Lemon vehicle, and it's kind of, you think it's his story, but I would actually argue that The Apartment is about Shirley MacLaine, Fran. I really think it's about her finding love and accepting herself, and Jack yeah. Lemon helps her. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I just think the movie in large part works because of the chemistry between her and Jack Lemon. And I would have loved sure. to have seen both of them win. Um, it, I think it's, this could like sweetly kind of resemble what happened in 1996 with as good as it gets winning actor and actress, kind of that sort of, you know, sweet rom-com dramedy with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson. This is a very similar film where it's this romantic comedy dramedy, if you will, with two very strong lead performances. I would have liked to have seen both of them win for I this movie. I hate to do this to you, Sam, but it's 1997. Oh, she was off one year. You're right. <laughs> Fargo is 1996. Thank you. Oh, my goodness, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> Are you shaming me? <laughs> Somebody who claims to know as much as you do and you don't even know when Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson won their Oscars? <laughs> Oh, uh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Four uh, lashes. But you know, yes, yes. I, I, um, I agree with you. It's, it's interesting. This is one of those where you got three categories that could have gone a different way. Um, and I'm not upset with any of the winners, but I mean, there is, there is another scenario where I can be like, oh, I would have really liked this. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. But. That's not what happened. And that leads us to director and mm-hmm. picture, which yes. folds right into your discussion of Shirley MacLaine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have, um, we have uh, the Sundowners, Sons and Lovers, Elmer Gantry, and The Apartment. No, no. The Sundowners, Sons and Lovers, and The Apartment nominated in both ca- categories. Yeah. Um, foreign film, uh, Never on Sunday, is also nominated for Best Director. And Hitchcock gets his nomination for Psycho in Best Director. Elmer Gantry and The Alamo take the other two slots in Best Picture. Um, many people say, I would say the quality of the film attests to this, The Alamo basically was an Oscar nomination that was bought. <laughs> I can see that. Sure. Yes. Nobody in hindsight really thinks that this was deserved. Mm. Um 
And everyone says that the nominations it received um, were due to intense lobbying by John Wayne, who directed the movie. Oh. And he plays Davy Crockett, and it is about the Battle of the Alamo. Interestingly, um, they built uh, a second Alamo, a replica, um, in Brackettville, or near Brackettville, Texas. Um, and that replica still stands, as does the real Alamo in San Antonio. Sure. Um, so if you are if you are so inclined and you want to go try and visit that, I don't know if you can, but you can try to. I don't know if it's at, at a place where the public can get to it. Um, I've never been to Brackettville, Texas, even though I am from Texas. Texas is a very large state. <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry. Um, but, uh, for all intents and purposes, the Alamo should not be here. And what should? Psycho. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Um, <laughs> Hands down. And I don't know, I, I, I can't comment on Sons and Lovers. I'm sure it's a fun little soapy movie. The poster looks like a movie I'm going to have fun watching. Right. I gotta think Inherit the Wind's better. Mm, yeah, I see that. And I'm wondering where those nominations are. <laughs> Show me the nominations, damn it. And you know what? I love, I think Inherit the Wind is one of the great movies of all time, and this is why I keep saying this. I really do think that it is incredible that in 1960 that there was a movie made that was arguing in favor of evolution and showing how stupid it was not to. Um, I think yeah. that that the fact that they made that into a compelling film. I think that the fact that it gives us such interesting offbeat performances, not just from Spencer Tracy, but also from the, um, the attorney on the opposing side is played by Frederick March. And he kind of is a little unrecognizable in the movie. And yes. Gene Kelly in one of his rare dramatic roles does a great job in the film. I just really like Inherit the Wind. It should be in the best picture race, at least if not best director. And, Psycho is one of the, along with the apartment, like I'll, 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 both Psycho and the apartment are two of the greatest movies ever made. Period. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking top twenty movies ever made. They should both be in the best picture category. The fact that Psycho wasn't nominated for best picture is very strange to me because I feel as if that's what the race should be. Oh, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. And talking about and it the apartment. what the best director race is, in my opinion. Oh, best yeah. Best director comes down to the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to me, Billy Wilder, well, if we're going to go for, like, direction, I can I can see the argument for Hitchcock winning best director, but the apartment winning best picture and screenplay. You know, we talk about how All About Eve probably has the greatest screenplay of all time. I would say The Apartment might be number two on my screenplay list. I think it, it has is a great screenplay. just one that. of the greatest stories. Just like, it's so sweet and so real. I mean, you know, we, we kind of talked up Marty and how naturalistic that was and kind of slice of life that is. The Apartment is kind of a similar um, uh, screenplay as well, you know, where you're just following kind of two people who you want, you know, they spend the whole movie almost getting together. There's 
reasons you know they can't get together until finally the very end you know and i think it's kind of similar vein in that but then you also have the billy wilder wit and style to it which just kind of sets it apart um no yeah i think yeah yeah i but i would agree with you yeah but i do think the two strongest films of this year would be the apartment and psycho in my opinion and for me i just think the apartment's is better <laughs> that'd be my that's my top winner i would I, I think psycho is my preference between the two mm. but i think i would be down for the apartment winning best picture and psycho winning best director because as great as the direction is in the apartment what psych what hitchcock does in psycho is redefine direction yes and that's what i'm saying here i think you know in the apartment the direction is wonderful. It's solid. It's, it's perfect, but it's not necessarily what's shining most in the apartment. That would be the screenplay and the actors. In Psycho, it is very much the style of Hitchcock's direction. It's a director's yes, it's a director's and that's movie. what sets it apart. So I can I see that. Yes, and I also think Billy Wilder. Uh, he's already has an Oscar for directing. Um, so I, you know, I don't necessarily think he needs that. And it is ridiculous that Hitchcock doesn't have one. Exactly. Yes. I mean, if Hitchcock was going to win an Oscar for directing, it was, it should absolutely be for Psycho. <laughs> Hands down. I mean, like you can't, but I mean, like with both the, the thing that's so interesting to me about this, about this race, about Psycho in the apartment is this is one of those years where we truly get two movies that that change things yeah to me the apartment is this huge step forward in how we handle adult romance on screen in a way that is realistic in a way that is honest in a way that isn't pretty or hollywood yes uh, i mean this is a movie that's dealing with late suicide movies. you know yeah. what i mean like it's, that's exactly not it's something you really see on the screen a whole lot and they look like real people too yeah you know they're very, uh, not saying that Shirley MacLaine is not pretty, not saying that Jack Lemmon isn't handsome, but they're, they look like average Joes. Definitely. And um, meanwhile, Psycho just creates essentially a whole new genre of movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 it kicks, it isn't a slasher movie, but it kicks off what becomes slasher films. Um, and it's, so intelligent and is so compelling and does this incredible bait and switch as we said partway through the film um and uh it has the greatest of twist endings it has um this incredible performance which this is the performance that's actually missing from best actor i'm sorry i i I don't think I said anyone was missing from Best Actor, but I, I'm just taking away all these Sons and Lovers nominations. I'm convinced that for whatever reason, this movie doesn't deserve to be here. And I'm taking away Trevor Howard and putting in Anthony Perkins. Thank you. As Norman Bates. This is, and honestly, like, this is something I think we can agree on. If it isn't going to Burt Lancaster and if it isn't going to Jack Lemmon, it should be going to Anthony Perkins. Because... What he does in this movie is the stuff of genius. He creates a character that is relatable, likable, um, 
and then scares the shit out of you. It turns on on its head in the last 10 minutes and it tracks. And if you rewatch it, if you, if you watch it knowing the twist or you rewatch it after, you know, the twist, you can see, you can see it. Like he played it on so many, he's genius. He's an absolute genius. Oh yeah. I mean, what I think Hitchcock really did well with psycho is he brought this level of prestige to not only a horror film, but a slasher film. You know, those are movies that didn't really receive any kind of critical acclaim or serious recognition from award circuits, but he really proved that you can take something scary and, um, maybe even seemingly simplistic with, you know, its slasher elements and really bring out like an engrossing drama with it. And I think that's really impressive. Um, yeah, no, I, that's what I, as I said at the top of the show, the thing I like about this year so much is that we have these huge leaps for leaps forward in cinema Mm -hmm. happening this year. And some movies that hold up so, so well all these years later. Um, The Apartment is great. Psycho is great. This is a truly great little year. Definitely. And we're going to start seeing that continuing to happen in the following years, too. We're going to be getting into some pretty great movies this decade. What do we have coming up next week, Renz? I know you're going to be so excited to talk about this one. Next year, one of my five favorite films of all time wins mm-hmm. Best Picture. I love, with everything in my being, 1961's West Side Story. Yes, and as do I. I've seen West Side Story quite a bit. I think I think I'm gaining a reputation for hating everything related to movie musicals, and that's not true. There are movie musicals I adore. To be fair, you started that. I did start that, <laughs> yes. No, I'm totally to blame. I No, there are, there are a handful of movie musicals where I think it works. And West Side Story is a perfect example of that. So we will get into West Side Can Story. Can we talk about it right week. now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost there, almost there. Okay. Join us next week as we break down 1961. And the big winner, West Side Story.